Hello and welcome to the UCD Careers Network podcast, Careers Calling, where we call companies and they tell us about careers, advice and the current job market. Let's get calling. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Mark Comiskey. I'm from the UCD Careers Network and welcome to another edition of the Careers Calling podcast. Today, we want to talk about modernization and innovation. Modernization and innovation in the modern workplace is something which is the time. The only constant is change. And that change uh, is prevalent even in the public sector. But the public sector is such a wide area that it's impossible to generalize about the whole area. So today, we're going to jump into the court service and talk about modernization and innovation in the workplace in the court service in Ireland. And we're lucky enough to be joined by Laura Butler, who is head of the legal research and library services in the court service. She graduated from UCD and firmly believes in the wide opportunities her degree has offered her. She started her career as a barrister and then became a judicial researcher. She has worked in a number of top legal firms in Ireland and learned a huge amount in the process. Having come full circle, she is delighted to be back in the courts. Her passions include legal research, knowledge management, and legal education. Outside of work, Laura is a keen musician, loves yoga and reading, and is a proud mum and wife. Laura, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. and um, delighted to be back with the old alma mater and uh, <laughs> hopefully give some pearls of wisdom today. It's great to have you here. We're, we're really uh, all trying to make the most of the pandemic times. How is it affecting you and the court service? Um, it's, it's the worst and the best thing that's ever happened to us, I suppose. Um, in, in many ways, it's been fantastic for us in terms of modernization and innovation, as you mentioned there. Um, plans that our CEO had for bringing us uh, firmly into the 21st century and forward uh, have been accelerated. Uh, you know, conversations that people would never have believed being had about online courts and filing papers online and all of that um, just had to happen. So it's been great um, busy, busier than ever trying to function uh, on a day-to-day basis. So it's, it's, it's great. It's busy. It's fun. It's, it's energetic and it's, it's a great place to work. I think those of us who are lucky enough to work in education, academia, prof- professional services uh, are finding that a, a huge amount of things that everyone always said, oh, no, no, we could never do that by working <laughs> from home or remote learning. And suddenly we can. Um, but we're also learning. I mean, I know just from discussing with my own colleagues that we're never going to go back to doing fully things with the way we did beforehand because of the mm-hmm. advantages that we've managed to pull out from some of the things that have happened uh, today, which I suppose fits with our theme of innovation and modernization in the workplace. Absolutely. And I suppose prior to the, the courts ever having to do all of this for, for COVID-19, um, there was a long-term strategic vision of the court service um, and a modernization program had been developed. There's also a government-wide uh, innovation program, which is also launched throughout the courts. Um, and it's just such an exciting time to be there. Um, the program, I suppose, modernization program essentially aims to transform how court, the court service delivers our service and wants to develop a best-in-class court system. Um, we're looking at how we can best deliver a more efficient, user-friendly experience for everybody who not only attends court, but the people who work in the court system and also then ultimately the taxpayer who pays for the court. It's a really ambitious plan looking at modernizing the court system 
um, leveraging of digital technology and streamlining the services and processes that deliver uh, hopefully something that's going to increase and enhance Ireland's reputation with Brexit, etc., as being a common law jurisdiction in the world. Well, you 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 mentioned uh, uh, giving value to the taxpayer for what we're doing, and, and we're keen on that in academia and in the, in the university sector as well. Uh, but perhaps you could just before we get into it, give us a bit of outline of you know you said users. Who uses the court service? What is the court service? What does it do? Well, that's so well. I suppose the court service, um, and and it was something I never knew about. As, as funnily enough, as a law student, you think you know you know everything about the court service, but I didn't. And um, when I first started, you know, it was either a barrister or a solicitor, and then you go to court. You didn't realise nobody ever thinks how does the court run on a day to day basis. Without mm. the court service, the courts couldn't function. And mm. um, the court service provides buildings, the basics, the four courts are maintained by the court service. Without them, you would have no building to go into for a court room. It also maintains things like manages the list, accepts your papers when you're lodging your papers, provides the services of people like registrars who run the courtrooms on a day to day, judicial assistants who fall under my remit, and research support associates. Uh, library functions, IT for judges, IT uh, judges need to be able to access their computers, especially in these days, a huge amount of services that allow for the day to day administration of judge of justice um, is exactly what the court service do. And so it's been in place for 21 years since last week, a very exciting 21st birthday for us. And, you know, really over those past 21 years, there's been such change and it, it's just a, you know, really, really brilliant place to give back to the public. I'm intrigued by one of the uh, job titles that you use there. You said a judicial assistant. Is that like uh, clerking for a judge that we see on TV shows and in movies in the US? <laughs> Pretty much, but it's 10 times better. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just such a phenomenal, fantastic role, I suppose. The reason I say that is not only because that's what I manage and that's not what I, only because I'm the head of the department there, but actually it's, it's, it was one of my very first jobs. So I, I, I qualified from UCD, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, went did a master's and then went and qualified as a barrister. I was after completing my second year deviling and kind of wondering, oh, is this definitely for me? And uh, had had done an interview a while previously um, for the judicial assistant role, but it was, you know, very tough role to get into um, back back then and still is. And got a phone call walking up Henry Street, I'll never forget it. I uh, thought, oh my God, wow. Okay, I'll definitely take this job. So I suppose uh, as a judicial assistant, you're standing right beside the judge, you're assisting them in their day-to-day -day work from first thing in the morning when they come in, getting papers organized to uh, bouncing ideas off uh, when they come off the bench about the case that he, they've, he or her have just heard, assisting them with following research, um, reading through submissions, bringing papers to and from court. Um, and then there's also, uh, so that, that was my first job I suppose after being at the bar for a while and and I learned so much from it it's it's such an I mean to actually be at the the forefront of justice and to actually be able to see what happens on a day-to-day -day basis and it's really great especially if you don't have an idea as to 
do I want to be a barrister? Do I want to be a solicitor? Do I want to go into private practice, public practice? You actually get to see everything because mm. you're right there watching the best in class, a senior counsel on their feet, making arguments. Um, you're in court with your judge. You're meeting all of these people around the four courts. Well, at the moment, on video link. <laughs> but um, you're, you're getting to do all of that. So it's, it's just seeing it from all angles, seeing everything, how things run and actually being involved uh, in the administration of justice. There is nothing like it. It does sound like a role with a huge, rich variety. I mean, usually when you think of a wide variety, you think of a thin experience, but this sounds like a very rich experience Mm. um, in terms of what you're doing. So in in terms of modernization and innovation, can you tell us more about the the steps that the court service has taken and what you hope to take in, in coming years towards this? Absolutely. So I suppose in 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 recent months, um, the modernization program has really, you know, accelerated itself as regards remote hearings for court, filing papers online, uploading documents online. The Court of Appeal is pretty much and the Supreme Court, both appellate courts are sitting pretty much remotely. Um, all of the time, unless there's some very specific reason that they, they're not. Anything that's evidential-based, where there's a, a requirement for a witness, is, is a little bit more difficult to do online. You know, we are looking at arrangements for that to see how that can work in, in mm. a modernised and better online system. And But we've implemented an online vis- virtual remote hearings platform, which is just... Uh, transformational and you know the reality is as you mentioned earlier you know it's, it's hard to see us ever going back and um, mm. perhaps there may be hybrid sittings but you know the cost for the state the cost for parties bringing witnesses mm. bringing people to and from prisons everything like that it's it's absolutely fantastic to think of the way that this innovation has brought things forward also things like lodging papers it's not only economically sensible, but also in an innovative way, we're saving the planet and not printing out these reams and reams of paper. And that was one of the projects that we were involved in, a really, really exciting project um, in relation to a practice direction. So there are these things called booklets of authority um, when you go to court. So um, the cases and the legislation upon which your application is grounded on um, when you bring your case to, to court and generally you'd have to hand a booklet of those papers to the judge to the other side have a booklet for yourself and that's three copies of the same cases and mm. oftentimes with many cases they're based on you know it's a similar type of area of law that have very similar cases so we looked at kind of streamlining those type of cases and developing um, a, an agreed booklet that the court now deems to be before them Um, And that's available online for everybody to see rather than having to develop it over and over again, time and time again, reinvent the wheel. So that's been a really exciting project to be involved in. I mean, even coming down to, sorry. No, no, I was just going to say that, I mean, the old aphorism is that you you should never waste a good crisis. And this this really (laughs) seems like an opportunity because, you know, just speaking to, to lawyers, obviously I work in the careers network. I've been talking to law firms for a long time. Some of them, some of them are very wedded to paper in a very meaningful way. And this is a, a chance to actually adopt a new and more efficient system. Mm, absolutely. And that's, that's the whole vision of the modernization and the long-term strategic vision um, is, to, is to move things in a way that make, well, I mean, obviously as a public sector, we want information to be accessible, to mm. be easily accessed, to be um, 
clear and informative and like even down to our website the the launch of the new website the information being accessible there you know reviewing how information is accessed on the website uh, and looking at how we can expand that information um, for everybody but even down to how we recruit has changed so like it's all new to us to do online interviews, uh, online exams. There is an exam element of all of our recruitment um, for, for our particular roles. And, you know, it's something that it's very nerve wracking for a candidate coming online to do an online interview. It's a very strange environment. And that's definitely something that I've been conscious of. And in terms of online interviews, how, how are you handling those? Are you doing them like a, a Zoom call, or are you uh, doing them uh, by recording uh, the the, uh, the interviews online, or? Uh, so are they synchronous or asynchronous as the modern jargon goes? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing them live. So um, we're, we have the, have our members of our, our um, board um, will all dial in and then the, the uh, candidate will dial in as well to a specific meeting room. Mm. Um, and it's in there that we will do the live interview. We try and conduct it as closely as possible to I suppose, how the, the the interview would have been conducted in person. But mm. there's some things that, you know, I'd like to say to everybody is in the same boat when they come online to do an online interview. Um, and not to forget that the people on the other side who are asking you the questions also feel the same. You know, it's hard for us to pick up your cues. So, you know, if you think somebody is missing something, don't be afraid to say it. Um, or if you can't hear someone say it, I can't hear you, things are breaking up. Um, you know, and that's really important to us that we give you the fairest chance we can when somebody's doing an online interview because you know technology is fantastic, but sometimes it doesn't always work. And I think it's really important that people know that everybody who is doing this is in the same boat and everyone wants to give people the best opportunity they possibly can when they come online mm -hmm. to do an interview. So like little things to make sure like that you have kind of a quiet background, that there are things like there no no <laughs> strange picture in the background or something jumping up and down in the background or the TV on um, and you know little things try and pick up on subtle cues that people might have like a timing thing between them where they mm. wave a pen or something could be something you can pick up on to know that you're you're talking too much or something like that so just or, or, or indeed that you're not getting your point across i've been involved yeah. in some uh, online mock interviews with a couple of our programs on campus uh, recently <laughs> and i think you're absolutely right about the um the online element of it because the reality is that that systems glitch and it's not necessarily your fault as the candidate. It may, the, the fault may lie somewhere closer to the, the interviewer. Uh, but it's just being, being very clear that if it does glitch, that you get a chance to restate what you are going to say. Um, and that when you do say it, that you're very explicit and that you're very clear in what you're saying. Mm, absolutely. The public jobs website is very useful in terms of some of the trips and ticks vis-a-vis -vis interview uh, preparation. Mm, it definitely is. And, you know, there, what's really interesting about um, a public job uh, or public sector application um, and, and just something that really stands out is to make sure that you look at the competencies in the application mm. form. Um, and I think just, I, I didn't know it when I first applied for my first public sector job, 
um, and it wasn't until I actually looked at the public sector, uh, the public jobs website, that it has all these guidelines. You know, every single grade and every single application has a requirement for particular competencies. Mm -hmm. And within those competencies, there are certain questions or certain lines. Have you met X? Have you met Y? Have you met Z? And if you can simply make sure that you have a line or two in about each of one of those competencies, you're automatically bringing yourself across the line and things like following the star approach. I'm sure you, Mark, are well familiar with this, but situation, task, action and result. So how you got across the line, what you wanted to get across the line to display those things like teamwork or communication skills is just so important. And then when you go to interview, do it all over again remember what you said in your application form remember those competencies that people are, are marking you on you know uh, the, everything will be graded and marked and specifically marked and i mean even down to the fact that if you haven't mentioned a specific thing in relation to those specific competencies you can't be marked on that no matter how good you were in general in the interview so it's just yeah. really important that people understand um how, how yeah. that's done I think you're making a very good point and I think you know um, that's particularly true in the public service in general because the public service generally is dealing with the public and therefore needs to be talking to the to 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 the public and the key thing when you're communicating is not necessarily what you think you're saying it's what the other people are hearing uh, is whether your message is getting across Absolutely. And I think particularly in in in, in court service in, in legal services in general and the court service in particular, you, you really want to be clear in your communication. And I think at, at interview being, as you say, well delineated and explicit about your co competencies means that you'll get your, your point across uh, mm -hmm. very effectively. You mentioned uh, a lot of modernization and the, the, we both commented on, you know, not wasting a crisis and taking advantage of this uh, of taking advantage of the current situation to, to move things through. Have you encountered any, any challenges vis-a-vis -vis the innovation or any resistance even to ideas that you're trying to bring forward? I mean, absolutely. That's only natural um, in this, in, 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 I suppose the legal world is the legal world, as you mentioned, wedded to our paper, wedded to the systems, wedded to the way that things are. So of course there's going to be resistance and sometimes, you know, not necessarily resistance, I think more so concerns as to the practicalities of how things are actually going to work or actually going to be implemented. And it's with engagement with our stakeholders that actually is bringing us through any of those difficulties and making it into something that we can a really, really action, making sure that we are listening to our users, our ultimate end users, and at the heart of everything we do is the citizen. Um, and so making sure that our ultimate end user is getting exactly what they need. So, you know, we can sit here and think, oh, filing papers this way, that way, having an online system this way, that way, that's absolutely brilliant. But the reality is that, you know, we have to be cognizant, you know, some people can't access the internet, some people can't file things online. So we always have to be cognizant and listen to our users mm -hmm. as to how we can best ensure that everybody has access to justice and everybody has access to um, you know, a, fair, uh, a fair hearing if the need arises. And in terms of, of, of legal services and indeed uh, your, your, uh, that is your own department, what impact will modernization have on the roles that you recruit for? You mentioned that you 
started off uh, in, in, in the court service in, as a, a judicial assistant yourself. Mm, yeah. So what, what, what kind of impact do you think it's going to have for those roles? Absolutely. Well, it, it definitely will have an impact. So first of all, in relation to the library, um, obviously a large amount of our library service are moving online. Our books are moving online. I'm sure your libraries are experiencing the same thing. Uh, well, absolutely. And, and yeah. I mean, you're, you're speaking to a bibliophile here. I absolutely <laughs> no. I mean, I am the most people associate libraries with books. Libraries are actually hubs of IT development. Mm-hmm. They're they're great people for that kind of thing. Sorry, I don't mean to cut across you, but I I, I know exactly where you're coming from there. It's so true, but it's also another opportunity for us to develop our online offerings and mm. provide uh, information to people through these new mediums that are there and that are just ripe for the harvesting. And um, on the other side, the judicial assistant role, of course, that's changing too, because, you know, apart from the fact that people now have to be, you know, especially if people are down on circuit, you're going to a different courtroom, you know, perhaps every week, a different court building every week. But then for the judicial assistant, who are also their judges are working from home and they're working remotely they will then be working remotely working from home logging on to these online courts through the the log on details rather than just mm. going into court going into chambers every day so it's a very different atmosphere a very different uh, interaction but i think it is it's a change for the future and it's a change for the better and I think it gives more opportunity for learning. And also, you know, there is a, a you know a huge reliance on the judicial assistants because judicial assistants, you know, tend to be very tech savvy, and um, very you know net net literate and net native. I think are the particular mm. terms that mm. that we use. Mm. And we're so lucky to have them because the innovations and ideas that have come from our judicial assistants have been absolutely amazing. And the opportunities that are there for them to give us the ideas and bring along the innovations. Like one of them uh, in relation to, um, you know, the online parchment ceremony. So this year was the first year solicitors could become senior counsel. It was all very, you know, long anticipated and exciting um, ceremonies to happen. The parchment ceremonies, they're called, but they couldn't happen. Um, in person, which is really upsetting, but innovations in relation to our the executive legal officer, similar role to the judicial assistant, works directly with the, the chief justice. He innovated and developed an online system for the parchment um, ceremony, which allowed everybody to still experience that whole system and that whole um, moment in their career, which is a really important and exciting moment, historical moment mm. for the profession in general. And it was down to him that we had that system up and running for the day so you know absolutely the roles will change but I think changing for the better and you know innovating and it just being at the crux of all of this it's just been great very interesting um one of the one of the things I did want to take, take come back to I suppose is, is the nature of the court service itself and without getting into the detail because I know from looking at the job descriptions that you know your job descriptions for the court service they're very detailed uh, as you said the, the competencies are well laid out which allows candidates to uh, express what they've got uh, in very clearly into into roles but in terms of what your what makes a good uh, uh, person to work in the courts legal in, in the legal services or in the court service in general what what do you think are overarching traits that uh, 
candidates might have? I suppose, like, absolutely, honesty, integrity, drive and commitment to public service values are really the big ones. Um, mm. and, and the big thing about the court service, and I shouldn't forget to mention it, mm. is it's not just legal. I mean, as I said from the start, we have a huge HR function. We mm. provide all of IT to all of the courts buildings across mm. the whole of the country. We manage the estates, the buildings. So there's a huge range of different types of jobs managing the court offices, running the courtrooms. You don't have to have a legal background mm. coming in through the regular public sector applications as a clerical officer, uh, executive officer, high executive officer you can then come into the court service and work across any of these areas and mm. the opportunities for development and change we have a phenomenal learning and development department um, and you know there's so many areas that you can work in within the court service not mm. just legal um, which is really just amazing and such a fantastic opportunity and place to be no I, I think you've put your 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 finger on it there, there people often forget that, that things like the court service uh, are a large organization, like any large organization, there's al always opportunity for both advancement and, and diversity in their career once they once they get in. Um, mm. And I think that's something that people ought to take. You know, we, we tend to think we get caught by stereotypes. You know, we get the idea that, yeah. you know, this profession does that and looks like this and is like that. Those professions are changing. The idea most yeah. people have, the stereotypical ideas are long dead, to be very yeah. honest. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's so interesting to see because so many of us who came in as judicial assistants, judicial assistants are three year contract positions, mm -hmm. but myself and three of my management team plus two of the management team over in the circuit and district court operations um, plus a number of people are, you know, we're all have let have been in the court service on a three year contract gone got experience in other areas but every one of us are boomerang employees and we've mm. all come back um, and and you know it couldn't wait to come back and are so excited to be back so i think that says a lot about the place when people really want to come back you know, and don't really want to leave when their contract ends so mm. <laughs> i think that's a good, no, place, good, good thing to say yeah it is and, and it's possibly a good a good place for us to end this and end this up i do i do think that uh that it's great to be able to shine a light onto an area that, as you say, a lot of students still, even in uh, uh, 2020, would be probably going to court service. Oh yeah, they, they, don't they organize court sittings or something like that? And it really, <laughs> uh, and, and it really is quite a large operation. Uh, I did note, because I had a quick look at the, um, the job vacancies on your board. And I mean, you're hiring financial controllers and a whole bunch of other things that are not, you know, you know it's a wide gamut of, of areas and, and a large purview. Well, I'd like to say thank you very much for your time this afternoon. Uh, it's very much appreciated by us in the Careers Network. And I hope that you successfully recruit and continue to modernize and innovate as time goes by. Thank you, Mark. I look forward to it. It's a very exciting time for all of us. And uh, I hope you have a lovely afternoon. Thank you for well, having it's me. Get, it's getting a bit dark out here now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the way it goes. Look, it, Laura, it's been very good. Thank you very much. And uh, as ever, if you are recruiting at any stage, uh, remember the UCD Careers Network. We'll be very happy to work, work with you to, uh, to, to, to generate interest in your opportunities among our student body. Great. Thank you very much, Mark. I look forward to it. I look forward to uh, all of the UCD applications coming in.